Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. It's really interesting because we get to frame and we get to decide how we want to, uh, essentially how, how, what, what do we want our response to be to any situation? So, if um, there, there's a great book by Michael Singer called The Surrender Experiment, and I love that that aspect of, of surrender and and realizing that there's you know he talks about that the universe has even more in store for you than than you can imagine. And many times, if we look at what is a setback or an obstacle or or a struggle in that in that frame or paradigm, then then it becomes something that's like okay, there's you know there's a reason for this. And I look at at joy as, as our, our GPS that we have in our, in our lives. And it's constantly sort of moving us. We're attracted to joy and, and living in joy. And I think we either grow through joy or pain. And, and I look at pain as the guardrails that are on either side on our way towards, towards joy. And those guardrails could be, could be pretty narrow. So we have uh, you know, then we're in alignment with what our joy is and, and how we're truly connected with, um, our heads and our hearts and our higher purpose of what we're, what we're doing out in the world, and especially as entrepreneurs or the guardrails could be wider and we continue to get bonked on the head harder and harder. And I think that we keep getting lessons and bonked on the head until we, until we, you know, realize what, what's going on here. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Yannick, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Yeah, excited, excited to be here. Yeah, so you know, I was introduced to you way, by way of our mutual friend and former guest Kamal Ravikant, but I also knew of your work and had heard your name many, many times over the years. Um, I want to start with a question that I've always has found has been very revealing and informative, and that is, what did your parents do for a living, and how did that influence the choices that you've made with your life and your career? It it massively influenced it. I mean, uh, I'm grateful to my parents every single day. Uh, we're uh, we're Russian immigrants and came over. I came over when I was about three years old from Russia, from Moscow, actually. And, uh, and my dad, my mom and my grandmother came over and my dad had about, about $256 in his pocket. Um, not much kind of command of the English language and came over and, and they, you know, they, like all immigrants, uh, they went to work and, and didn't have that entitlement mentality and did whatever they need to do. But about six months into being here, he ended up starting his own medical equipment sales and service company because he was about to get fired from the hospital that he worked at uh, because they found out he was moonlighting on the side. And I, I, it's actually kind of funny because I asked him about that. You know, I always knew that story, but then I asked him about that recently and he even like kept the, the letter from his supervisor that was super threatening and because uh, he was in the biomedical department, which so we're pairing medical equipment and 
and he would be off repairing medical equipment for the doctors for their private practice. And uh, they, the ministers found out about it, and, and they're like, "Okay, you need to stop, or you're going to be fired." And he took the the uh, route less taken, which is that entrepreneurial route. And then I grew up working in that medical equipment sales and service company, you know, all through junior high, high school, you name it, uh, 14 years old, I was telemarketing, calling out my own leads and 16, the deal was I got a car if I went out and actually cold called and, and made sales. And, uh, yes, my dad in his like very Russian accent was like, okay, Mr. Yannick, go make some sales. (laughs) And literally the, you know, I got, I got a, uh, a used Toyota Corolla as my car and, uh, and I'd be the 16 year old punk calling on you know, 50 year old doctors. So it massively influenced who I was. Wow. You know, one of the things that I think I found is very common is this sort of immigrant work ethic that results, I don't know, maybe it's just the, the byproduct of the immigrant experience. And I'm curious why you think that is. Uh, and the other question, you know, in a moment of potentially being fired, your dad responded in a, in a somewhat positive light and turned that into something very powerful. And, and I'm curious why you think certain people respond that way based on, you know, all the people that you've been exposed to over the course of your life. I love that, that immigrant success mentality. I mean, there's something like, I think it's like something like five times. I mean, I haven't seen the stats in a while, but when I saw them before, it was like five times as likely to become self-made millionaires than, than people who were born here in, in the U.S. Uh-huh. And, you know, I think part of that is a byproduct of who self-selects to actually make that immigration move, right? Because they're going to leave their friends, their families, everything that they know and, and start off so they're a little more maybe risk tolerant. And it was definitely my mom pushing my dad. My dad would tell me all the time that he was happy. He's, uh, he actually got out of the, the Russian army by playing ping pong. He was a really good ping pong player, like basically like Forrest Gump and was like number five in Moscow. And so he was coaching and doing a little bit of work and and just, you know, just happy. And my mom was the one who was really pushing for a better life for, for me. And it took them six years to get out of Russia. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, that other part, which is um, – you know why, why I think they're successful is that they're they're just willing to do they're willing to do anything. I mean they they really they really are. Hmm. I, I'm curious, uh, you know, in the Russian culture because in the Indian culture, you know, despite the fact that our parents are immigrants, we are raised with this sort of you know like constantly diminishing risk tolerance of, of you know <laughs> and a narrative of oh really you should become a doctor lawyer or engineer and, and i'm curious you know in the russian culture does that is that part of the culture to have this sort of hey don't waste this immigrant opportunity on some crazy yamble uh, well so we're, we're also uh you know russian jews which is how we got out of russia and and so in the in you know in that jewish culture uh, it's very much that you know you mentioned the doctor lawyer accountant i call that the jewish hat trick <laughs> it's, it's one of those or the holy trinity for for jews and it's uh you know when i kind of decided to go off on my own um back in 2000 and, and leave my dad's company it was actually a really hard decision so i grew up and originally my plan was to take over my company my my dad's company and actually gary vaynerchuk and i have a pretty similar story which is really funny uh-huh. and uh and i was able to learn direct response marketing he's actually a doctor of mine one of my clients who gave me jay abraham's work and like just loved it and and started applying direct response marketing and and you know it's been an hour two hours a day learning everything i could about that and I used it to grow my dad's business. And then I just got this itch to do something on my own. And it was, it was really hard to, to leave the, the family business and then also to just do something that my, my dad was like, I, you know, what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. I mean, he literally, 
even after I left, this is a, this is an absolutely true story. He doesn't, he doesn't remember this, but I, I put out a program, uh, teaching people how to do what I was doing because at that point, my very first online product was instant sales letters and that, that did really well. And then people are like, wow, how'd you do that? And could you teach me how to do that? So I started teaching people how to sell their own content and expertise. And then I had, it was literally on tapes and, uh, and my dad is listening to this tape with me in his car. He's listening, looking at me, listening, and he, he ejects it. He's like, people pay for this bullshit. <laughs> and, you know, it's just like, you don't, you don't have that. They just, you know, they didn't understand it. Uh, and, and so it was, it was fascinating because, uh, I think one of, one of the biggest things that we learn, I think in our lifetimes is, to truly follow our own voice and to, and to, you know, just do what, do what we want to do and not live for the sake of our parents. And for, you know, and it's hard because if you, you feel obligated in some ways, especially because they presented you with this amazing opportunity and, and, you know, that wasn't certainly, I don't, I don't think was his goal for me. And, I just recently interviewed him with my brother, which is great because we did a, I call them these legendary legacy interviews. And I did one with my uncle before he passed. And, you know, I asked my dad about this because my, my stepbrother worked there, my, my, my younger brother worked there and, and he just exited from a, a VC back company. And, and he's like, you know, my original dream was for everyone to work together. And he's like, I'm so happy it didn't work out. And it was actually really cool to, to see that you know, everything does work out in that right way. Yeah. I, I do want to talk about that. Cause I know you've wrote about that in the book. Um, but before we get there, I want to ask you another question. Uh, you know, having been raised by entrepreneurial parents, uh, what advice would you give to parents listening to this about raising entrepreneurial kids? <laughs> yeah. I've thought a lot about this because we actually put on a family event for kids every year. So my kids are 11 and nine right now. And, and I literally, you know, created like a lot of things. I, I believe in almost like scratching your, your own itch. And I, I created a family event just because I wanted them to be exposed to some of these ideas and, and to, you know, get them thinking about this. And I think some of the things, so I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurial parents. And one thing is that we're concerned with that, you know, the struggle is what made us. So, it's, you know, by taking away, a lot of times we are like, okay, if we've already made it, then we want to make it easier for our kids. But a lot of times it's that, it's that striving, it's the dealing with challenges that actually makes you who you are. And then the other side is if you make it too difficult for your kids, it can turn into resentment and, and then, you know, turning away from you in some way. So, so it really is this unique balancing that, uh, that you want to try and do. And I will, you know, what I try and do is put them in situations where they have to, like, I think about 21st century skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's, you know, you don't necessarily need to know facts today. We have Google, we have whatever that, that, you know, pretty quickly we can figure out who won the, the Super Bowl 18 years ago or what the, the square root of, you know, 81 is or whatever it is. It's, you need to know how to think, you need to know how to creatively put concepts together, you need to know how to be, how to be innovative, how to, how to solve challenges, you know, how to do the things that are really are entrepreneurial thinking, which is starting with an idea and getting it done. And so that is one of the things that I continue to, to hopefully expose my kids to. And so if they ask me a question, I, I don't normally tell them the answer, at least right away. I want, them, I want them to think about it themselves. I'm like, so what do you think? And I don't even care what their answer is. I simply want them to know or to, to find out their thinking process and, and to think through that. Uh, we're also always, um, we're always looking at, so I love exposing them to just unique opportunities and, and unique places. And I, I 
try and surround them with, with my work and, and the people that are in my life so that they, they can see that there's other ways of, of, of fulfilling what you want to do and, and, you know, having your passion really drive what, what you want to do into the world. Um, just recently we were in the BDIs actually this past, uh, past week and we ended up sinking an old world war two ship that was turned into an artificial reef and a, a, a amazing sculpture of this giant kraken, and it's going to become a, a marine preserve, and it's also going to become a viable sort of economic initiative for the local community. And it was started on uh, the project that started literally last year, almost pretty much to the date, and, and so my kids were there for the sinking of the ship, and it was just a great example of how to take an idea from a sketch and a concept into actually getting it done. And, and you know, anytime I can expose them to that, the, the better. Mm-hmm. What do you see uh, the role of education being uh, in the lives of your kids based on the fact that you're an entrepreneur and you've been exposed to a lot of people who probably haven't had a, a truly formal education? Yeah, uh, my wife and I definitely, uh, <laughs> we definitely kind of spar on this a little bit because <laughs> I have a public school education, so is she. Uh-huh. And, uh, I'm like, well, you know, maybe there's there's something better. And she's like, well, okay, let's, let's figure out what is that better. And, and so far we haven't quite figured out what that is, but what we have both concluded is that we have the, you know, it's up to us to, to supplement the education. So we're, we're in a school system. Uh, we're probably one of the, one of the best school systems in, in the country, but I still don't feel like they're adequately prepared for, for what's next. So, so we supplement it. We actually have, uh, something we call our 13 silver keys, which is a once a week, uh, we, we actually created almost like a, an offsite, uh, kind of workshop or retreat we created as a family a couple years ago. Uh, what's it mean to be to be a silver and and what's that look like and we literally had post-it notes spread out all over the wall and, and put up all these all these ideas and values and thoughts and and so we landed on these 13 silver keys and and then once a week on Sundays we'll, we'll talk about what they are and and think about what happened from uh, from a point of view of you know how did this how did this show up and and what did this this inspire so for instance like one of them is make magic and it's actually one of my favorite ones uh, and it's one of the kids favorite ones and and we they they really got this. Uh, when we were actually looking at summer camps for the kids and we up, were driving up to the Poconos and I was talking about, okay, you know, what you think about is it really shows up in your world. And they're like, okay, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, no, really, what, what kind of animal do you want to see? And they're like a horse. I'm like, okay, we'll see a horse. And then my daughter's like, I want to see a dog being walked. I'm like, okay. And, and you know, one of the rest stops, we saw that and we passed a horse on the way, you know, not, not a big deal. And then they're like, okay, well, you know, my wife's like, I want to see a penguin, you know, like really trying to <laughs> try to throw me off. I'm like, no problem. We'll see a penguin. And of course I'm thinking like, all right, well, I'm not sure we're going to see a penguin, but I totally trust that we'll see a penguin. Uh-huh. And literally uh, we we're touring one of the camps. And, uh, and so I'm like looking around, I'm like, okay, there's gonna be a penguin here. And we only went into one bunk so that they could kind of show us an example of what the kids bunks looks like. And, and then sitting on, on some kids bunk was a picture of a penguin. I'm like, miss, oh, my name is Missy. I'm like, miss, come over here, check it out. She's like, oh my God. And, and so I you know, told the kids that on the way home and then they got a little more extravagant. And my, my daughter's like, I want to see a polar bear. I'm like, no problem. We'll see a polar bear. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I said, I want to see an ice cube. And, and so we got off, uh, there's a ton of traffic on the way home. We got off on this little side road and stopped in a convenience store and as we're walking into the door of the convenience store on the side was this ice machine and, and a sticker on there was an ice cube with a polar bear inside. 
And my daughter's name is Zoe. I'm like, Zoe, check this out. I'm like, Zoe, check this out. What do we got here? And she's like, oh, my gosh. And, uh, you know, from then on, they were, you know, that, they were hooked. That, like these make magic moments, these, um, like just these these intentional awareness, like almost like creating your own uh, your own reality in a way or these synchronicities and, and things that, that show up. And so that's one of them. And then we have, we have, uh, 12 others that, you know, once a week. So it's kind of based on Ben Franklin's 13 virtues where every week you'd work on a virtue. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's, that's become part of, uh, part of our lives and, and something that, that we continue to could be watching a movie devoted to something like dream big. It could be, um, you know, last week's was, uh, was, was keep learning and growing, and, and so we'll talk about, you know, what, what did, how did we learn or what do we grow? And, you know, they, they both learned how to snorkel last week. So we'll talk about that or, and just other things that, that really just help them have intentional ways that I think we, we teach our kids. And that, that to me is, is some of the most important work that we can do. Mm, wow. So, you know, one of the things you mentioned earlier was this notion of struggle. And I know you even referenced this idea of struggle in the book, you know, the fact that our struggle has often unmade us. I mean, you said, you know, you know, tons of people, entrepreneurs have gone through depression, have gone through issues of a lot of challenges. One, I'm curious what those moments have been in your own life um, and how you got out of them and and what advice you give to people who are in those moments uh, in their lives. Yeah, um, it's. It's really interesting because we get to frame and we get to decide how we want to uh, essentially how, how, what what do we want our response to be to any situation? So if um, there's a great book by Michael Singer called the surrender experiment. And I love that, that aspect of, of surrender and, and realizing that there's, you know, he talks about that the universe has even more in store for you than, than you can imagine. And many times if we look at what is a setback or an obstacle or, or a struggle in that, in that frame or paradigm, then, then it becomes something that's like, okay, there's, you know, there's a reason for this. And I look at, at joy as, as our, our GPS that we have in our, in our lives. And it's constantly sort of moving us. We're attracted to joy and, and living in joy. And I think we either grow through joy or pain. And, and I look at pain as the guardrails that are on either side on our way towards, towards joy. And those guardrails could be, could be pretty narrow. So we have, uh, you know, then we're in alignment with what our joy is and, and how we're truly connected with, um, our heads and our hearts and our higher purpose of what we're, what we're doing out in the world, and especially as entrepreneurs or the guardrails could be wider and we continue to get bonked on the head harder and harder. And I think that we keep getting lessons and bonked on the head until we, until we, you know, realize what, what's going on here. And for me, that really came to a front where, you know, about, about nine, 10 years ago, I was in a spot where, you know, just online marketing space, digital marketing, uh, doing really well, making a lot of money, helping a lot of people, uh, outside looking in, you'd think that I kind of had it made in this perfect sort of life. And then I asked myself, you know, am I, am I truly happy? And the real answer was, was no, I wasn't happy because I thought there was something more I could be doing. And so I, I journaled quite a bit and, and actually that's one of my favorite processes and journaling about thinking about, okay, what would be my ultimate end all be all kind of business or expression of what I want to do. And, and it was, oh, I'm going to create something called Maverick Business Adventures, which is going to be adventure travel trips for entrepreneurs. We'd have these amazing adventures. We'd do business sessions in the middle of nowhere, and we'd, you know, have some sort of charity component. And I'm like, okay, that's, you know, that that's it. And, and these three interconnected circles of a dollar sign, a happy face, and a heart was was kind of what the uh, the original notion of it was. 
And, and then so fast forward about $400,000 in my wife's like, so what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. And, and I don't know if you've ever had this uh, happen when you're, you're having multiple things going on. And, and I, so I, I lost pretty much all my passion for what I was doing before in the, in the publishing side of things. And I just wasn't happy there, but that was the real moneymaker. And that was the, the cash driver. So that was continuing to sort of go down as my passion waned there. And, but that was also the open checkbook that was paying for this other sort of experiment that, that I really wanted to do, but, but the business model wasn't right. There's a lot of things that weren't right there. And it actually ended up, uh, I ended up selling my Aston Martin to pay for payroll, uh, and, and to pay for some of the things that were going on. And, and that was that final sort of bonk on the head that I needed to be like, all right, so, you know, what are you doing? Um, and, and that was, that was a really dark time. I think, um, when, you know, that, that's when I came across Kamal's work. Uh, and I can't remember, he and I had met before that, but, but really his work took on a, just a, a, a more important aspect to what, what I was doing because here's someone else who, who went through a really dark time. And then I just started thinking about, you know, what, what is it that, that really made me happy and, and, or, continue to give me meaning in my life at that point. And it forced me to like extract myself, my identity, my self-worth from my, my net worth at that point. And that's a really, that's a really hard thing for entrepreneurs because our identities are so wrapped up in, in our businesses. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it, uh, you know, forced me to really go back over 15, 20 years of studying success principles and what, what had I done before. And I turned that into this, you know, I call it this return path to, to, to joy, happiness, and bliss. And it was just like really basic, like building block stuff. Like, you know, what, if I had a great day would that then turn into a great week and, and, and a great month and so forth. And it really just forced me to go back and think about what, what, what were those pieces? And I broke them down into these nine M's, uh, around, around meaning. Uh, you know, if I would write down some of these are, you know, everyone's heard these before, but if I would write down and think about what I was grateful for in my journal, mm-hmm. if I would write somebody a thank you note, I felt better about it. If I would, you know, just make a difference in someone's life, I'd be, I'd be happier. If, uh, if I had movement, you know, as another M, like if I did something athletic, uh, you know, I'd be, I'd be happier if I had more mindfulness in my world. Um, I actually started experimenting with meditation at that point. Uh, I had always been, uh, you know, never, never been open to meditation before. Mm-hmm. And, and that was, that was something that I had like, I don't know, a hundred, 200 ideas running around in my head. And I'm like, all right, I could never do this. And I had the opportunity to, to interview uh, Russell Simmons and uh, you know, he's ADHD all the way, all the way. And, and I'm like, okay, if this guy could do it, I, I feel like I could do it. <laughs> and, and so I, I had a week before my interview, I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a go. And, and then it's stuck. I mean, it's been like, I don't know, three, three and a half years or something like that. Uh-huh. And, and that's been really, really powerful. And, and then, so, you know, pieces like that to really, really just bring you back to what, what is most important. And I'm actually so incredibly thankful for that time because it forced me to think about what is my bigger why? Like my, my why wasn't to create an adventure travel company. It was what we talk about now as our mission is to change the way business is played. And then it forced me to, to even go back and I mean, we changed the name of the, of the organization to call it Maverick 1000 because it's this idea of a thousand sons who can each light another thousand sons that can really change the world in some way through, through entrepreneurship. And I would never have gotten there if, if it succeeded, 
uh, right away. And then also it gave me this unique opportunity of, of meeting some incredible icons like, like Richard Branson and you know, Tony Shea and uh, Rich Tierling, the former CEO of Harley Davidson and, you know, you name it. I've learned all these little pieces from, from each of them about what it truly meant to, uh, to create uh, an organization that, that mattered and did something big into the world and kind of pulled all these little pieces together into what I call the evolved enterprise. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. 
So I, I do want to spend uh, quite a bit of time talking about the idea of the evolved enterprise. You know, this is something I'm curious about. So, you know, you mentioned selling, having to sell the Aston Martin as being a yeah. point. And I'm guessing there are probably some people rolling their eyes <laughs> as they heard that. Yeah. You know, not, not at all meant as a criticism on you, but this is, it's a segue to question. This is something I've noticed in my life. Um, and I'm curious if you've noticed it in yours. It's that, you know, you know, when you get to a certain high point, the fall is so much worse because you're falling from so much higher uh, than it would be. So, like, if it wasn't selling the Aston Martin and you had to sell, you know, like a Nissan Altima, which is what I drive, like, I wonder if the, the impact would be nearly as, as devastating. And I'm just curious what, what your experience has been with that. So, I, I wrote a really interesting blog post just, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe nine months ago or so about it because uh, it, it took a little while to really, really process it and, and think through it uh, because a lot of times we're so attached to, you know, that was kind of a symbol of, of my success. And, and when I sold it, I wasn't even like that sad. I mean, it wasn't like, Oh no, boo hoo. It, it was like, you know, it's a thing. And I was actually choosing at that moment between selling, uh, my ticket for Virgin Galactic, which is a suborbital space flight, uh, <laughs> or, or the Aston Martin. And, uh, and you know, one was an experience that's sort of out into the future and very nebulous and, you know, it's, it's getting closer and closer. I've been a ticket holder for a long time. And then, and then the Aston Martin, which is a thing. And, you know, I, I knew things come and go and that's, that wasn't the really most important part of, of what I had to have in my life. And, and, but it did take me a little while. So I was driving, you know, a, a bit of a, a bit of a clunker is like this old, we had a, you know, a third car that was just a SUV, like a Acura MDX, uh, an older version model. And then it finally, you know, when I got to the point where I could actually truly appreciate it and, and, and really, you know, just, uh, you know, take great care of it and wash it and, and keep it clean and, and just really appreciate it for, for what it was. Um, that's when things started opening up again. Like, you know, I could have went out and bought another car the next day if I really wanted and leased it or, but that wasn't like, I wasn't interested in that. I was like, okay, let's see what, you know, what, what is the real sort of, what do I need to sort of sit with and, and learn here? Mm. And, 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 you know, after that, I might see someone driving a really hot car. Be like, no, oh, you know, wow. I hope they hope they really enjoy that car. <laughs> and then it got to this point where I'd start like, and this sounds maybe a little weird. I'd start like blessing them and, and being like, yeah, I'm just so grateful for them to have that car and enjoy it on a beautiful spring day. And and, and it's just you know, it just totally changed and things started opening up. And I remember reading a journal entry of mine talking about my 40th birthday uh -huh. and, and this is when I you know, it's really kind of came full circle where I was reading about it's kind of my perfect day on my 40th birthday and it was like you know who I was hanging out with how much money was in the bank uh, what I was doing uh, what I was driving it was like you know a, a blue a blue Fisker Karma car and, and all these things and then you know I, I read it on my actual 40th birthday or right around there. And my wife's looking at me and she's like, I'm you know, are you upset that, you know, all these things didn't quite come true. And I'm like, you know, not really because it, I looked at it and the essence of pretty much all of them were, were correct. Like, you know, the money in the bank was really a reflection of the freedom to do what I want with who I wanted and, and be able to, to work on, on what I wanted to do. And then the car, uh, was, was more a reflection of driving something that reflected my personality and what I wanted. And, and so I just recently got a, a mini Cooper, uh, Clubman. I don't know if you've seen those, but they're the same sort of 
wheel height or I don't know size, whatever as as a regular Mini Cooper, like the little tiny ones, mm-hmm. but they're just extended to their four doors, and it was just like you know it just really fit. <laughs> it's actually blue, uh, and it fit. Uh, it just really fit my personality. It's a kind of quirky and and fast and and you know kind of just a lot of fun to drive, and it was just this perfect sort of expression of of, of who I was at the time, and so I really got into having more of the essence of, of goal setting and not not being attached to what is the exact thing. Yeah. And, and even in my journal, I read about, you know, who I'm hanging out with and, and I couldn't have planned it even better. Like on my 40th birthday, I was uh, hanging out with Richard Branson at, at Virgin Galactic. And then next week we were off to go do a safari in, uh, in South Africa or Kenya. I can't remember where, but so, you know, I didn't write about that, like even better. So that whole idea of the universe has something more in store for you than you even believe. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because that that idea of how you set goals, you know, related to the essence of what you want really struck me. Um, that that was the section of the book that I, I knew I definitely wanted it to actually spend quite a bit of time talking about because this quote in particular struck me. You said, by simply having no attachment, you're free. Easier said than done because as entrepreneurs, we're typically so intermeshed into our business that our identities are wrapped up tightly into whether it's a success or a failure. So the question for me is, how do you do that while remaining committed to a goal and also like let's say that you were to walk somebody through the goal setting process you know somebody listening to this if they wanted to go through that process of what do i want my 40th birthday to look like how would you guide me through that well so it's all to me it's been all about the essence and and you know what if we break down every single goal that we have and i literally just had this conversation with a guy last week uh who's like i want to be a billionaire that's what's written on my wall on my mirror uh-huh. i'm like okay why? <laughs> and, you know, it's, and he, you know, he started talking about what he could do with it and, and how it would make him feel. And then, you know, he just kept exploring it a little bit more. And I'm like, okay, so the real essence is again, you know, the freedom to do what you want with whom you want, be able to serve who you want. And, you know, his ultimate goal is to be happy. Uh-huh. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> guess what? You don't need that billion dollars, but, in, but for you now you've wrapped your mind around, Unless I get the billionaire status, the B status, I'm not going to be happy. Uh-huh. Like that puts you in a really tough spot. Sure. And and so one of my favorite books, uh, you know, at this time that I was sort of going through, you know, a pretty big, I guess, evolutionary leap was it's called The Great Work of Your Life. And I don't know if you've ever seen it or heard of it. No, but it, uh, I saw that in the references. Like I, yeah. I went through your book and I was like, okay, books to order. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love books. I mean, to me, like I'll go through about a book a week and, and to me, books are just, a, I mean, you could have a distillation of somebody's 15, 20, 10 years, whatever it is of their life uh-huh. put into a book. And, and I think we grow through either the books or the resources or materials that we learn from, uh, the people that we meet or the experiences that we have. And, and I just love, I love a great book and especially going back to it over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so this book, the great work of your life by Stephen Cope explores the Bhagavad Gita, which is, you know, one of our most ancient spiritual texts. And one of the biggest, um, I guess insights from that book is that we can't be attached to, to the outcomes. We're only, we're only, uh, welcome to the, essentially to our, our labor. So if we put our full heart and soul into something, uh, we're, we're not able to be, uh, attached to the, to the fruit. So we're not entitled to the fruit of our label. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's really 
kind of a big deal for entrepreneurs is, and that's the, you know, the sales goals or the quotas or the, you know, or the, you know, I want my company to be a whatever, $5 million company or 2 million or a hundred thousand dollars, whatever it is. All of a sudden we're, then when we start getting attached to that outcome, uh-huh. everything we can truly contribute is by uh, putting our full heart and soul into something. And, and this was a huge actual shadow for me. And, and you know, this, this was so Carl Jung's work on, on shadows, which is the kind of characteristics or aspects of ourselves that we don't really want to share with the public or, or, or make known or, or bring out into the light, which is why they're called shadows. And for me, my biggest shadow was not putting a hundred percent into anything. And it really, really struck me because I started looking at this and, and looking at the history of it. I mean, I remember, you know, back in high school, just kind of sliding by and then college, um, I'd go out the night before and get really drunk and come in smelling a bourbon and be the last one into like stats class and borrow a pencil and walk out of there like a, you know, the B or B minus or whatever it was. And not that I was like so, so smart, but I was just kind of a good short term learner and I would you know, know enough to, to get by. And, but I never gave myself, you know, full, full commitment. And, and same with like the, the products and services I was putting out there that they were, they were great. I mean, I live by this motto and this value system of, I get rich by enriching people 10 X to hundred X what they pay me in return. So it wasn't like we're delivering shoddy stuff. It was, it was good stuff, but I wasn't truly putting my full heart and soul into it because then it gave me the excuse that, oh, if it didn't quite work out, then, you know, now I have this reason why. And that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Wow. So one other question I have uh, sort of about the, the life that you've built and the relationships in particular that you've formed is that you've managed to connect and build relationships with some highly influential and highly successful people and also, you know, make them a part of the work that you do. Um, so two questions actually come to that. One is, you know, how have you managed to establish these kinds of relationships? And the other actually is based on a conversation um, that I had with Justine Musk, um, Elon's ex-wife, about the psychology yeah. of visionaries. Uh, you know, you may have, have probably come across this. She wrote a piece on Quora. She wrote a response on Quora to some uh, student who had put up a uh, question saying, how can I be great like Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, or Richard Branson? And yeah. given that you have you know, had a front row seat to somebody like Richard Branson, I, I'm curious, that level of accomplishment, um, is that accessible to like the average person? Or is there something that just separates these people that, you know, there's something to aspire to, but we can't ever be? Yeah, I, I saw Justine's response on Quora. I thought that was really fascinating about what kind of commitment yeah. you know, Elon has made and to put into it and, and what that really looks like. And, you know, my, my frame has been around Richard because he's, he's sort of, um, he's the person that I've, I wouldn't say model, but he's been my, my biggest mentor in a way, uh, of, of just, we share a lot of, a lot of archetypes and a lot of characteristics and, you know, from the adventure side to, to the entrepreneurial side, to the, the impact side and, and wanting to make a difference. And so I'm probably skewed because I've seen Richard now from when he's you know, gotten a little older. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, maybe, maybe it's a, a little bit different that, that full on intense commitment, you know, I haven't seen that side of him where, where he's working 18 hours a day or anything like that. And I don't, I don't know if I, 
don't, I don't know that he ever truly had that, but, but, you know, again, I, I, I don't, I don't have a front row seat to that from before. And, you know, just in conversations with him from what he would do before, I mean, he always would, would make his life more than just his business and, and his kids would be around all the time and he'd take meetings on his houseboat and, you know, the family was there and so forth. So he really did try and interconnect his, his life in that way. Um, I, I do believe that we are all here with a really unique set of talents and skills and almost like a blueprint for what we were designed to do. And as, uh, I don't know, as, as strange as that might sound or maybe out there, like I, I really do believe that. And, and that comes from, you know, again, that, that book, the, the great work of your life. So, so Steve's talking about Dharma and our, our true path and, and what is our, our purpose. It's like when we align in that, that's when we, we do truly put out our greatest work and it doesn't even feel like work. It just feels like what we were meant to do. And that only comes from, I think a lot of self-exploration, a lot of, um, getting, just being really candid and, and clear about who we are and what we were meant to do. Uh, and then, and then also allowing, allowing the part of ourselves that, that has the big dreams to not get shut down by it. And, and sometimes, you know, your dreams will grow as you reach the next sort of stepping stone or building block for, for what, what you have going on in your world. Uh, I remember a conversation I had with Richard a couple years ago on his other island on Mosquito and, and we were talking about, I'm like, so, you know, did you ever think that your brand would be, you know, these 350, 400 brands? And he's like, you know, originally I, I didn't. And then there's a, an ad or a, an article that came out in ad age or something like that, talking about how elastic the, the Virgin brand was. And then all of a sudden it kind of gave him permission to be like, Oh yes, well, you know, now I'm going to make it all these other things as well. So sometimes you, you know, as you're, doing what you're doing, you, you get, uh, permission in some way, or you get validation that, that what you're doing has a, a, a bigger aspect to it. So I don't, I don't know if Elon thought I'm going to go to Mars. This is his very first thing that he ever dreamt about when he was, I don't know, 14 years old or whatever it was, but you know, PayPal became maybe the, maybe the fuel for, for what that was. But, but I do think that he is, uh, he is someone who who has a, a huge aspiration, and he and he knows that each of the pieces that he's building right now are the building blocks to what his his biggest aspiration is. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, let's do this. Um, I want to spend the rest of our time talking about uh, this notion of an evolved enterprise, and you know it, what I'd like to do is one you know it would define what an evolved enterprise is, and then look at it through these three lenses that you mentioned at the beginning of the book: transactional, transformational, and transcending. And have you explained, you know, what those each mean and, and how they apply? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Evolved Enterprise, as I said, came really through putting these building blocks and pieces together through this journey. And to me, an Evolved Enterprise is a a company that is almost the soul of the business is uh, is aligned with, with their greater purpose. And, you know, as a business is a separate entity. So if we can have a soul, why can't a business have a soul? And it's it puts your, your customers, they want to, they want to buy more and be associated and spread the word with your bigger mission. Uh, your, your team members want to be aligned and with the bigger purpose of what you're doing. Uh, it gets you fired up and, and out of bed and excited for the, the bigger, uh, role that you can play. And it also, the best part about it is it actually improves your bottom line. 
And you know, there's, there's a lot of data showing that this is the greatest shift that, that's happening right now. And it's happening from the inside out and the outside in. And the outside in is buying criteria is changing. Uh, customers are willing to, um, not willing, but they want to buy from companies that have a greater purpose and a greater mission. And they're changing their buying behavior. They're, they're, they're switching brand preferences. Companies on the uh, S&P 500 list are, are staying on there uh, uh, for less amount of time. Uh, companies are out there who are taking on mega giants like Warby Parker, uh, took on Luxottica, which had something like 80% of the, of the optical marketplace and, and are, are winning and, and, and beating them and, and were able to get to a billion dollar valuation through using some of these principles. And then inside out is millennials who are you know, one of the biggest groups out there, especially of, of new, uh, employees and team members and, and even, uh, people that have a huge, uh, sort of buying block that they, they want to work for companies that have this mission or purpose and they're willing to even get paid less for it. So it really is like this perfect storm coming. And, and so an involved enterprise is able to, to truly, you know, allow you to, to design your company around the greater purpose and, and joy and, and meaningful impact that, that you want to put out into the world. It's like, how could we, it almost seems like too good to be true, honestly. It's like, how could we, how could we make more and, and do better in the world? Yeah. Yeah. So what about the, those three sort of ideas of transactional, transformational and transcending? Yeah. Yeah. So how do we, you know, that, that's the ultimate goal is to get into a transcending company. So transactional is pretty much what it sounds like. It's, yeah. it's I got, you know, an onion and you have an onion and, and <laughs> we're both selling onions. And, you know, what do we do to make our onion possibly better? You know, we can price it better. And, and a lot of times it turns into almost a commodity and, and commodities get, uh, get, get beaten down into to lowest price competition. And then, and then someone tries to create a brand around it and, and then they try and differentiate their onion. And, but it still becomes very transactional. There's not much brand loyalty. It's, it's you know very much uh, just an exchange of, uh, of of I have you have cash and I have an onion and you want my onion and so there's not there's not that much there at a transformational level uh, companies every every stakeholder uh, or community that a company touches like their identity actually changes and transforms so whether it's the the team members customers uh, investors uh, the community that they're serving their customers it's like their their identities truly change. Um, I remember Blake Mikoski from Tom's would be talking about uh, how when they started selling Tom's shoes that that the identity of the purchaser would change because you know Tom's original thing was and still is you buy a pair of shoes that they give a pair of shoes to, to someone in need and he never by the way even expected it to get as big as it is and and now he, they have a, a, an amazing sort of logistical issue with with the amount of giving and what they do uh, but but it, it did change and transform the identity of the, of the customer because they're able to vote with their wallet and know that the purchase that they made made a difference in some way mm-hmm. and when we get to that transformational level like the identity changes and and are there's ways of, of building up essentially a tribe and a community of people that that love what you're doing that they want to spread it they want to they become unpaid advocates and I remember talking to uh, Dale Partridge, who we brought in for a Maverick meeting, and, and he was co-founder of a, a little company called Sevenly.org, which originally started off uh, selling T-shirts, and they'd be on sale for seven days, and uh, they would uh, donate seven dollars from every T-shirt to one of seven big sort of umbrella uh, causes that they were supporting. So, hence the you know the name Sevenly, 
And he told us that 80% of their new customer acquisition came from social shares. And I, I found that stat pretty incredible because that means that we can spend way less in advertising. Uh, we have our customers out there as our, as our biggest advocates and, and they're able to do things that, that bigger competitors couldn't. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and then so the, and then the final level is, um, is transcending. And that is we could transcend what, what business could even be. And, and so it, it's almost, it becomes a, a win, 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 win across all these different facets. Almost like, uh, if you look at a, a diamond or any polished jewel, there's all these different facets and it, and it, it truly becomes a, a piece of art that we're creating. Uh, and, and our business becomes our canvas that we're, we're building this artwork and, you know, a couple of interesting examples, um, I have 11 different, I call them involved enterprise impact models in the book. And, and one of them is called empowered employment. And there's a company called Ultra Testing, which um, will hire people that are on the autism spectrum scale in order to do what, what they do is like quality control testing and and across cross browsers and so forth. So kind of, you know, repetitive tasks. And and what stereotypically they found is people on the autism spectrum scale that they have more attention to detail. They're OK with repetitive tasks and so forth. So they took what could be uh, a very much a, a, a disadvantage for, for a workforce and turned it into a competitive advantage. And so it you know, it magnifies their, their unique aspect of what they do in the marketplace. So they're, they're providing a, a, hopefully a superior service to, to other companies and doing it with, uh, with, with helping an an underserved marketplace, uh, for, for, uh, for employees. And to me, that's, that's a really unique way of, of transcending what a business can be. Mm, Wow. Well, this has been truly, truly mind blowing. So I have um, one last question, which is how we finish all of our interviews at the unmistakable creative. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Uh, I mean, I think what makes someone or something unmistakable is that they truly embrace their, their difference and their uniqueness. Um, You know, each, each person is, is this incredible mosaic of, of what they what they've uh, you know every every little quirk that they have and characteristic and and life experience and a lot of times we we somehow dim our our uniqueness uh, in order to maybe try and fit in or or try and uh, be like be like the crowd in some way and and it's when we finally learn how to how to embrace what makes us beautifully special and that that ultimate unique um just optimal self and so part of it is is genetic in a way like almost like what were we designed to do or what were we meant to do and then part of it is is this continual process of of evolving ourselves in a very conscious way and almost like uh you know polishing a, a diamond so you take that that rough diamond and, and it has all the characteristics of a diamond, but it has to be polished and cut by an expert um, diamond cutter in order to get that brilliance out of it. And a lot of times, uh, actually every time, every single person has that brilliance within them. And sometimes it's hiding from maybe drinking too much, maybe other vices, whatever it is, uh, because sometimes we're, we're really scared of our own radiance and our own just brilliance and, and letting that get out there. Mm. Well, um, this has been just absolutely fantastic. Where can people learn uh, more about you and your work? 
The uh, so the best part so would be to, to go to evolvedenterprise.com for the book. We have a unique kind of deal right now where we're, we're building another village uh, in, in cooperation with Village Enterprise, and they teach micro entrepreneurs how to how to get out there and 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 actually support themselves in, in East Africa. And we've we've actually already impacted one entire village of fifty micro entrepreneurs, and we're we're on toward hopefully our, our next village and, and many more. So there's a limited edition package that's available there, or of course Amazon or anywhere else that you buy books is involved. Enterprises available there. Awesome. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person, because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.